Okay, hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and hopefully you are seeing this, and Lily can tell me if you are seeing it or not, because, all oh, right, I'm now live, because I had to boot a second time. For some reason or other, it kept spitting, spitting, spitting. So, um, um, now we are live. Okay, great. So, um, hello, everybody. Welcome, first week of August. Uh, several things. One is, um, I got a haircut, just not bad, and then... Um, I'm getting conflicting reports if I should shave my beard. <laughs> maybe the mustache, maybe just go like a, from birth or something, but I don't know. So uh, maybe we'll have a vote if anyone wants me to shave my, my beard or mustache. A major, uh, a major poll we'll have here. But uh, anyway, hope everyone's doing okay. Um, I just finished the talk to the med students. There were three of us speaking to the med students on the radiology rotation, and I guess. The one thing that's good and not good about the COVID and subsequent Zoom meetings is I was able to literally go from the Zoom meeting with no delay uh, to the med students to this talk. It would have taken me about 10 to 12 minutes to walk over from the hospital, so it makes things more complicated. The downside is you're speaking to a bunch of people remotely. Um, there's no great feel of that in the personal interaction, so it's really that challenge. But um, it is what it is. Now, today I was just speaking about lung cancer screening. So let me just um, give you some, uh, some points about lung cancer screening. The idea about lung cancer screening has been around for several decades, with the goal being that we all know that CT can pick up incidental lung cancer. And what if you had high risk? What if we could use CT to pick up early cancer? Now, there were studies done in the past using chest x-rays Results weren't that good, but we know that's not surprising because chest x-rays miss small lesions. Now with lung cancer screening, we were part of that trial. The biggest issue was, of course, that you pick up a lot of nodules. The majority of nodules were benign. It took 360 patients with nodules to find a cancer. So the concern always was, well, would you make people apprehensive? Are you overcalling things? Will this result in extra surgeries? extra biopsies. At the end of the day, a set of rules were developed, and although you will need to follow certain patients with small nodules, by coming up with rules, Fleischner Society, American Cancer, and National Lung Cancer Screening, we're able to really use screening in a way that's beneficial to the patient without creating too much hassle for the patient. Now, lung cancer screening was typically done, or is done, in patients who were smokers. So really we know that the risk of lung cancer is in smokers, right? So the question is, what should you do? Uh, the argument was, at what age should you start screening? Is there a certain number of pack years? The pack years means uh, if I smoked one, one pack of cigarettes to, for one year, that's one pack year history. If you smoked two pack years, it was two. So people who did a lot of smoking, often they may have smoked for only 10 years, but they may have had 25 or 30 pack years of smoking. So the question was, should it matter what age you are? Should it matter only how much you've smoked? What if you stop smoking? Will that be um, an issue? You know, and if you stop smoking, is it a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, or is it never? Are you always at increased risk for cancer? So there were a number of guidelines developed, and there's the argument, when do you start? How long do you follow patients up for? 
Is there a certain age limit where you stop? Well, the most recent guidelines published last year uh, was the um, U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, the American Academy of Family Physicians, and American College of Chess Physicians. And basically, here's the criteria, and I think you know it, but let me refresh your memory. Yearly lung cancer screening should be done with low-dose CT. Again, low-dose CT is a little more than a chest X-ray. It's not going to be a problem for increased cancer or anything else. And remember, you're looking for a nodule. You're not looking for anything else. So it's non-contrast, easy to do, takes a couple seconds. So typically, patients over age 50, remember before it was 55, over age 50 to age 80 and in good health. Okay, in the sense being, if someone has all sorts of comorbidities, particularly in the older population, where they could not get a biopsy or a pneumonectomy or resection, there's no sense screening if you can't do anything about it, okay? So that, that's a practical aspect of things. You don't want to take people out of the nursing home who really cannot get by on their own and then screen them and say, well, I found something, now what do I do? So age 50 to 80, and they currently smoke or have quit in the past 15 years. So it's not like you quit a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. You quit in the past 15 years. So smoking or quitting in 15 years uh, is the same. Now, if you quit more than 15 years ago, that's great, but less than 15 years, you're gonna be screened and you have at least a 20-pack year smoking history, okay? Uh, initially, it was much higher, it was 30, and some people wanted higher than that. And again, just to remind everybody that the number of packs of cigarettes per day multiplied by the number of years smoked. For example, if you smoke two packs a day for 10 years, you have 20-pack years of smoking. Or if you pack, or you smoked one pack a day for 20 years, okay, that'd be 20 as well. So again, you smoked for how long and how intense. People will argue also in the old days, if you smoke things like camels with no filter, that was far worse than smoking uh, some cigarette with a filter, but we won't worry about that. And it's also important to remember that, you know, you don't want to have someone smoking and then getting a screening, which is negative and saying, thank God I can keep smoking. So it's important for people who are going to be screened that they receive counseling to quit smoking if they currently smoke, and have been told by their doctors about the possible benefits, limits, and harms of screening with low-dose CT, and can go to a center that has experience in lung cancer screening and treatment. So really, it's not just doing the study, it's really managing the patient. You wanna make sure we're treating the patient well, we're doing what's right for them. Having someone be screened is great, but if they're smoking, it's kind of shooting yourself in the foot because eventually they may get a cancer. So we need to intervene. So I think some of the lung cancer screening is not just a truck going around, but it's a center which has a nurse, a PA, someone to manage giving the information to the patient. So it's very important. And also for shared decision-making. Again, some patients get very apprehensive. They feel guilty <coughs> about having smoked that they're afraid to look. Sometimes people don't want to find something. Again, the importance of telling people you may find a nodule. And a nodule may not be cancer, but you can't tell right away. You'll need to follow up in six months, a year, and two years. So the fact is, 
Some patients are going to get very nervous and you need to make certain that you manage the, the fear and the expectations of patients. That becomes very, very important as well in the guidance of patients. You don't want patients to really simply get a scan and then be kind of crazed by what the scan results are. You need to also have a team to manage the patient to say what needs to be done, whether it's follow-up, whether it's a PET scan, whether it's a biopsy, or whether it's resected. All those things become very, very important. There's a good article, if you want to read a good article, published literally August 1st um, in JAMA about smoking and screening for smoking. I think one of the things also in terms of lung cancer screening is going to be the use of AI, which is going to help us predict what lesions will need to be removed, what lesions can be followed, and potentially looking and analyzing data better to determine what patients need to be scanned at all and how often you scan patients. Remember, the more often you scan patients, I'm not talking about worrying about radiation dose. I'm talking about there's a cost, there's a stress on the patient. How do you manage all of these features? I think that becomes very, very important. And is that not something that you really can underestimate? Now, if you want to be doing um, and learn a lot about screening, uh, there's been a lot of work done by Ella Kazaruni and a number of other people. The ACR publishes uh, screening guidelines. Um, they do that very nicely. The ACR guidelines, of course, many things you all know about, but one of the things about ACR guidelines uh, is that it also has uh, preset forms that you can use for how to interpret studies, how to present the risks, so I think the ACR has done a very good job of doing these things. There's a thing at the ACR site called Lung Cancer Screening Resources. It gives the guidelines. <coughs> it gives a lot of information. Uh, if you're a provider, it gives information as to billing. There's an ACR CT accreditation, which we all get um, to show that you're doing the right doses and everything else but there's also a designated lung cancer screening center that the ACR will provide for you. And with that, it provides a lot of additional resources. The ACR, and I'm not advertising for the ACR, I'm not getting a dollar per person that goes there, but they have webinars on demand which explain how to implement lung cancer screening, how to go about it, how to deal with patients, how to provide what's necessary, and also to get a designation as a lung cancer screening center. So that becomes very important. They have um, CT accreditation, chest modules, lots of different things that are applied. Uh, and again, there is a fee, but it's not too bad. To be an ACR designated lung cancer screening center fee, it's 400 bucks per facility. That's not bad at all. That's a real steal considering how much information the ACR will give you. So. Again, I'm not going to show you examples. We have some lectures on the website. There's a lot of work uh, that's done. There's a lot of good lectures. Um, but I think lung cancer screening is something you probably should be providing in your practice. You need to have an advocate. You need to have someone who's going to make certain the studies are done right, the protocols are set right, and the scans are interpreted correctly. So that becomes very, very important. Uh, beyond that, I think uh, whether you're talking about screening, lung cancer screening, virtual colonoscopy, 
these days you need to be providing a lot of these services to really help our patients and help our referring physicians. And again, dealing with referring physicians so they understand things a little bit better. So with that, let me stop there. Unless someone has any questions, let me see if I could see if there's any questions here. I don't see, oh, let me see. I, don't, I see someone, Nepal, Madhavurta, uh, he always is here, Rafael, I'm sure, I don't know what T.O.P. is, I'm not sure where that is. Uh, and there's a flag there, but I'm not really good at flags, to be honest with you, so I'm not really positive uh, where he's at. Uh, but um, I think it's Spain, maybe. Uh, but anyway, um, so we hope everyone finds this to be helpful. Again, uh, if you have some comments, suggestions, thoughts, if you have some good experience on lung cancer screening, uh, let us know. If you have some good suggestions how to run a site, let us know and we'll share that information with our entire audience. If not, let me stop there. Thank everybody for their time and I hope you have a great day. And with that, I'll see you later. Bye guys.